Hey, welcome to Sound Guy Tips Podcast. My name is Jonah Kay, and this week's episode, I'm going to talk about troubleshooting again. Well, it's just one of those things that is going to happen to you every day when you're out doing gigs. And, you know, it's there's endless stories, and, and this is one that stuck in my mind. So I'm going to walk you through... Uh, part of a setup day and and some of the things that were going wrong and how we fix them. So let's get this thing going. Welcome to Sound Guy Tips. I've created this show because I am dedicated to sharing as much knowledge as I can about the world of live sound. Listen, getting into the world of live audio can certainly be intimidating, but I'm here to teach you the technical aspects, key mindsets, and how to thrive socially to stay on top of call lists, land an awesome house gig, or get yourself on retainer with a great touring band. So this is Sound Guy Tips. Now can we cut this music out? Oh man, I'm sick of all this inspirational crap. There we go, that's better. All right, so let me get into the story here. So I'm setting up for a festival, and one of the st- I'm in charge of one of the stages, and I'm going to be doing monitors. So we've set up the stage, and we're getting close to the end of the setup day, uh, as we had to bring the stage the day before and get all the production gear in place, uh, ready to sound check the bands before the festival opened uh, for opening day which was the next morning when the sound checks would start. So we've got all the monitors in, all the amplifiers are ready to go. Uh, all the both soundboards are in at front of house. Uh, the snakes are ran, everything's in place. And I start, I get my production binder, which, so I basically start doing my kind of last minute checks. I've already got my, my monitors going. I've rung out some of the, uh, frequencies that I don't like. So I at least have a save point to start from the next day and I'm basically good to go. And then I get my production binder or I might've already had it, but I didn't really like dive into it too much because we were, I was just doing the normal setup. So I'm looking at the binder and the binder shows all of the acts that are going to be there that I have to deal with. And in this case, uh, there's nobody's going to be bringing a monitor tech. Uh, maybe some of the bands have a front of house tech, but essentially the stage is mine. Like I have to manage the changeovers, the mic placements and all of the logistics, just making sure everything's ready, uh, for all the bands coming up. So I'm checking through the binder, just flipping through to see what's coming up for the bands And I see that the headlining band for the opening night needs 32 channels on their input list. And there's a lot of different instruments and inputs. And that means they are the first ones to sound check in the morning. So, you know, you run your sound checks backwards. So the headliner goes first and then... Uh, you know, whoever else actually gets a sound check, 
you know, you go from there and then you go to the first band that's coming up. So both the monitor desk and the front of house desk have 32 inputs, but it just so happens that the split snake that lives on stage only had 28 channels on it. Now, I don't know why, and it doesn't matter why or how that piece of gear is was there for us to use. All that matters is it is there, and we have to figure that out. So I'm looking through the input list, trying to see if there's redundant channels that maybe I can talk them into taking out of the chain um, to get it down to 28 channels. But I don't want to start off a festival with the first act coming in and having to compromise for them and tell them they're not getting what their rider asked for. Um, so what do we do? We only have 28 channels. Okay, so Split Snake is splits, it splits all the signal from the mics. So all the XLRs run from this box out to front of house, the long uh, analog snake which is just, you know, a whole bunch of mic channels that run to the tent where the guy does sound for at front of house. And then I plug the drop snakes into that split and run the microphones from the stage to that box. And then that box gives me the channels on the monitor desk as well. So the front of house desk and the monitor desk are getting the same mic feed, but it's split at this box. And it only has 28 channels and we need 32. So we're starting to sit there and be like, okay, that's a problem. So what are we going to do? Well, I mean, we started thinking maybe we run, we, we track down some, a few, you know, 100 foot XLRs and chain them together and, and run them all the way from front of house back to the stage and then get some Y cables to, to split them off and kind of create, you know, a really cheap version of a, of a split. So the both desks could have it. Uh, but that was that was hard to figure out to, to get those cables that we needed. And we didn't really know if that was the right solution. Then we were looking at all of the channels that were going to and from the stage and it turned out that the return snake, which is part of the snake that runs XLRs the opposite direction. So you can send audio from the front of house desk back to the amplifiers to have the sound come out. So there were some extra channels on the return snake. So we ended up having to track down. Um, we, we turned around the XLRs on the return snake, which means you have to have adapters male to male and female to female now i only had two of each but because we needed four more channels we had to have a turnaround at the front of house desk and at the monitor desk so we you know i i had two of each and we found two more uh that somebody else had and we ended up you know really kind of makeshift you know running four adapters on either end of the XLRs to be able to create these channels. So that took us like, you know, a little while to, to rig up just to track down the right adapters. And then we were like testing those channels and we're like, well, we better make sure they work. Okay. They work. Okay. Problem solved. You know, like it, it took a little thinking, but we, you know, tracked down the cables that 
were already ran and figured out how to adapt them to extra mic input channels. So we were pretty happy that we got that to work. And, you know, once we tested those channels, we were like, well, we better scratch through all of the other channels, one through 32, to make sure that both desks are hearing it and seeing the signal clearly and nothing is mispatched at either desk just to avoid confusion in the morning. Um, So, of course, what that means is you take an XLR that you know works and you take a microphone that you know works and you start by plugging it into channel one. So we plug it into channel one, starts making noise. There's a buzzing sound. We're like, okay, so... You know, try the next channel. It's clean. Try the next one. It's clean. So we go back to number one. I try switching the cable I'm using. I tried switching the mic we're using. Same buzzing sound. And then we were running a direct line uh, to the console. And that was working. We tried a different snake channel. That was working. So, of course, the first channel we try, channel one, which often is dedicated to the kick drum was buzzing now the number on the box is kind of irrelevant because you can repatch them in you can repatch the numbers in any input on the desk it doesn't matter but the point was we needed 32 channels and if one was buzzing you know we had to figure that out so we went through one through 32 they were all working except channel one So once we figured out, okay, everything's working, but this channel plugging into the split snake on number one, we ended up like, well, let's just start taking it apart and see what it looks like in there. So we unscrew the the face of the panel where all the XLR uh, plugs are and, you know, carefully, very slowly pull the panel back and get a flashlight in there to see what the wiring looks like. Now, of course, when you're looking at uh, the inside of an XLR, it's got wires going to it. Now, when you're looking on the inside of a split snake panel, it's got double the amount of wires for each channel um, because it has to split the signal to go to two places. So if any one of those wires, if the solder comes out of the XLR plug, you know, you're going to get a bad signal in, in one way or another. And that's what we had. We opened it up and I could see one of the wires was just slightly loose. And of course, now we're like, okay, so I didn't bring with me at that point um, a soldering kit. So, you know, get on the radio, track down a soldering kit. Now, because the split snake was already in place and everything was already ran, uh, is pretty, pretty delicate situation because it was kind of stuck in a certain spot. Um and it's, it's it was a pretty big piece. So in order to take the panel off um, and hold it in place and not disturb any of the other wires that are in there, you know, I, we ended up having three guys. Like one guy was holding the panel on an angle, just kind of dipped out of the split snake as to not like pull on any of the wires too much. And another guy held, I think one guy was holding a flashlight and also guiding one of the wires. While another guy, we were like all squished in there together. 
Um, and then the other guy was re-soldering, uh, heating up the solder that was there and, and replacing the cable in. And, you know, so it literally took three of us extremely carefully to solder that back in just because it was in such an awkward position. Uh, it's not like soldering a cable that you can just put it on a desk and, you know, and clamp it down and do whatever you need to keep it still while you're doing the solder. Um, so three guys soldering one XLR plug, fixing the split snake and, you know, very carefully put it back together and screw it back onto the panel. And then we go back to our consoles and plug in a mic and, you know, we're like, it's better work. It's better work, you know, and, you know, start talking into the mic. Oh, clear signal. No buzz. Turn it up really loud. Add some gain. Just your regular, you know, amount of hiss you'd hear from gain, a very, very small amount. So we got rid of the buzzing. We were, and then we were like, yay, look at us. We're saving everything. So we're like, all right, well, we'll just pack it up, you know, close up the stage and we'll come back in the morning. Come back in the morning. Headlining band shows up. And first thing the guy does is scratch out four of his channels that he doesn't even need. Literally all four channels that we we troubleshooted and made sure there was 32. First thing he did, literally, he's like, yeah, we can scratch this and scratch this and this and this. And so we only need, we'll end up probably with 28 channels. And I'm like, all right, well, it's good to know that we could fix it if we needed. And we were able to accommodate the band uh, based on the rider that they sent. And that's the thing about riders is, you know, the technical riders oftentimes are a guide. So you have a ballpark idea of what's going on. And then you really need to like immediately have a discussion when, when you get to working with somebody, what the situation is, how accurate is the technical rider that you're following. And oftentimes they'll write you out a new one or they'll make adjustments. And then you have to go execute that uh, the, you know, the way you discussed it, don't just set stuff up based on a rider until you've had the conversation. So this is kind of leading in to something else that I wanted to talk about in another episode, which is just all the things that you should bring with you in a toolbox or whatever type of case you want to bring along all the random tools, adapters, basically, you know, your standard adapter kit with a whole bunch of every kind of adapter you can think of and, you know, a whole bunch of other items that can be really useful that people often forget or break um, and need a replacement quickly. You know, if you have all those things in a toolbox, you can loan them out or you can use them to, like, save a situation uh, on the fly. So, I'm going to make a list and do an episode of the top 10 things you should carry in your toolbox to make sure that you're ready for any situation. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you guys next time.